Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network, powered by Clue, the podcast for product marketers and competitive professionals looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today we were joined by yet another duo from Clue. Some experts from the customer success team, Sophie Baker and Onami Kawamura. Sophie and Onami are great. I love having them on the show because their job is to help customers build better compete programs. They've seen hundreds of them. And so they shared some of their best tips, advice, things they've seen, things to do, things not to do to build a healthy compete program. And a lot of that revolved around earning adoption. Ben? It's their number one goal, you know, apart from the success of your overall compete program. Um, they want your compete content to be the best it can be, and they want it to get used and adopted so that your team will keep coming back for more. Um, you know, hearing them talk, it's so clear that they know exactly what they're doing. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but there's just something so powerful about hearing from the people who do it day in, day out, who know their stuff and they speak with such confidence. Um, I was really impressed. I mean, we talked to them around the office and you already get that sense. But this was really, I thought, a good conversation, um, some real tactical stuff. Um, we're, we need to bring them back on the pod and do more uh, more customer success stuff because they're just so great. 100%. And for the listeners, I think one of the cool things, again, is that they get to see so many programs. They can kind of give advice for a listener right now that's looking to launch a program, looking to improve, maybe they're struggling a little bit, struggling to get some traction. They see such a broad case of compete programs, folks running compete in different roles that they can provide sort of this consultative advice across the broad spectrum that they see. And so Hanami specifically shows sort of these four steps midway through the conversation. So make sure you get to that part where it's like these four steps that really just to kick things off and to put yourself in a really strong position to launch a compete program successfully and be able to report on it, impact revenue, all of that. She shares this really tight four-step framework that you should be following. Um, and I can't recommend that part enough. Plus, there's plenty of anecdotes of just things they've seen customers do. Um, love hearing sort of these specific examples, stories that listeners can pick up, take for themselves. Uh, there's some clue-inspired board games or SKO happening. Um, some interesting things with like Intel Digest and competitive newsletters. There's, there's a, a host of things theme. you can't... There's a, a Batman, bat, yeah. There's a Batman theme uh, in terms of you know how you can make it a little bit fun. So, like you said, Adam, like they've seen so many different programs, different industries, you know, uh, really across the board, a few different um, every every shape and size of a compete program, and the fact that they've got this knowledge in their head to sort of synthesize it all and and pull out what the best practices are, I, I think is so valuable. For sure. And one little plug before we get into the conversation on the topic of adoption, we dropped an article on the Clue account, our by the number series, where we dive into some of the data that our competitive enablement consultant experts collect on maturity assessments, battle card audits. And we found four common mistakes we see typically behind why battle cards aren't getting adopted, used by your end users, and how you can fix them. So, you're thinking about adoption if that's why you tuned into this episode make sure to check out that article two in the show notes and with that all said let's get into our conversation with sophie and honami all right today 
we are joined by two experts on the Clue customer success team. We've got Sophie Baker and Honami Kawamura with me. Sophie and Honami, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome. Thanks for wanting us. Sophie's been begging to be on the podcast, listeners. It's a big dream, mine. It's on the, off the bucket list now. We've relented. Producer Ben put it on the calendar. Sophie will be on the show. And she's brought Honami along with her. She needed, quote unquote, the big guns with her for this episode. So I am very excited to have both of you on today. Because as being a part of the customer success team at Clue, you get to see the inside of hundreds of compete programs and you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. So first things first, what are some of the common traits, common things you two have seen within businesses and compete programs within that business that are successfully closing their competitive revenue gap today? Um, Well, I think I kind of think about compete programs in two areas of of what makes it successful. There's the content because content is king. Without good content, no one's going to use Clue or any compete program or tool. And then there's the delivery and enablement side of it. So if now that we have this good content, how do we make sure that it's in the right places at the right time and it's easy for people to use it what they need? Um, and so with customers that I think are really doing well um, on the content side is, I would say, feedback. So, you know, there is a myriad of best practices that, you know, we can provide at Clue. You know, we have tons of Clue customers that have shared their experience. Um, so there's a whole host of different tactics that we can apply. But without seller and end user feedback, it's really like a spray and pray <laughs> approach. So we want to make sure that whatever we do um, is landing with sellers, it's valuable for them. And that's really key um, to any kind of compete program. Sophie? You can see why I brought the the big <laughs> guns here. She said it all. Um, I I definitely agree. I think another key thing is don't boil the ocean. I think when folks hear competitive enablement program, it can feel overwhelming. You're involving a lot of different groups. You're getting feedback from different areas. And the beauty of a program is you really can start small and build out from there. So what I see folks doing when they're being successful is they're first and foremost having fun with it. So they're not just going, oh my goodness, we have all these things to do and we are going to check this off and we're going to make sure there's just a whole data dump of things. Content is king. They make that content fun. And then they celebrate both the big and small wins and take the time to look at what are the things that we are looking to achieve on a smaller and a longer term basis Um, and and taking the time to structure their competitive enablement plan around that and be realistic. What time do you have to put towards compete and who else can you bring into the fold to have fun with you while you build out the program? So in a nutshell, celebrate both the big and small wins don't boil the ocean and uh have fun as you're as you're doing it there's a lot of cool things that can come out along the way i was uh i was snooping in on some gong calls and i was hearing an awesome story that we'll get into hanami about sort of i think to your point around 
building sort of short-term, long-term goals, sort of almost like a plan on how you're going to crack that nut. Before b- before we get into that, you mentioned making content fun, making the process fun. Do you, either of you have some stories? Is there some like unique ways you've seen customers deliver Intel in a fun way, get that sort of feedback, stakeholder buy-in? Are there, are there a few things either of you have seen during your time? Yeah, I mean, I think um, a lot of customers have fun at places like SKO or um, any kind of enablement sessions rather than it just be a dry, hey, here's a presentation. Um, I know Pat Wall at Imperva recently shared about his cocktails and compete session, which I think is maybe the epitome of of putting fun and compete. Um, But it also doesn't have to be that big and or, you know, that complicated. a customer that comes to mind, something that they were doing really well is just involving sellers in the whole process of their program. So from the development to when they've rolled it out. Um, and so they would actually have monthly syncs with top sellers, you know, solutions engineers, people that really knew their staff. And instead of it being a one-way street of, hey, here's our compete content, they were really in it including them in that process. So not only, hey, here's our content, but hearing what they had to say, hearing intel from them as well, it was a great opportunity for the sellers to actually share that in field feedback back. And um, that can be really fun for sellers because it's not, again, a one-way street. It feels like a two-way conversation. They've got skin in the game now. um, And it's something that they can feel proud of when it's uh, shared with other team members. Yeah, I would... I would add to using different uh, platforms to talk about compete. So, you know, what comes to mind, obviously, is Slack. That can be a really fun place to just start sharing ideas. Or, you know, I've seen uh, different organizations that one might just throw a question into their competitive enablement channel and say, what are you hearing? And that's where you can start to just respond, you know, quick back and forth ideas. You can also um, just become a little bit more organic with it as opposed to it being so structured. Um, And then to Honami's point, I've seen a lot of really wild stuff. I've seen Batman themes. I've seen uh, folks create the Clue board game and do scavenger hunts. I've seen all sorts of stuff. When you use the digest, you can have a lot of fun with that too because I mean, we all get lots of different emails and we get, um, you know, different updates through through Slack. But what if your compete email is the thing that that stands out and folks look forward to opening um, and they know they're going to get a creative nugget? They might get to actually be involved in it. They can be really simple ways to just lean into that, the fun aspect of it. Um so yeah, I think there is there's different avenues, sort of bigger and smaller, but uh, it can be it can be light. Okay, so let me go. I was gonna actually go into this a little bit later, but let's let's do it now since you brought up Intel Digest newsletters. Like I think the things both of you are talking about is this sort of all these different kind of touch points or ways that you get the organization involved. Like it's a visibility thing, an awareness thing, getting people bought into compete how it helps them in their role um and i think honami mentioned this offline it's like there's no quick hacks it's like a it's like really just being prominent across these different touch points but tactically speaking 
for folks that are listening, if they're clue customers running an Intel Digest, or even if you're not and you're building your own competitive newsletter, in what ways have you seen people utilize that to the best of its ability? So if you mentioned that standing out in an inbox or providing that little bit of value, is there any examples you've seen over your career with customers that have done something unique or just something that's been really valuable to helping stakeholders? I know something that um, we do internally at Clue and we often share as a best practice or, or shout outs. And that can be, you know, again, big and small. It could be, hey, thanks for sharing this intel, you know, so-and-so. And that can get people excited and encourages people to sh continue to share that field intel, um, you know, sharing wins. So that's a really easy way for you to get that exposure and create excitement, have some fun. Hey, we recently closed this big deal against this competitor. Give that rep a shout out. Um, so those are a couple of things that in terms of the digest content that you could certainly include. Um, I've also seen customers use other uh, kinds of content within the digest itself, like video. They'll say instead of just all being written, they'll insert small videos where they actually walk through the content. Uh, we know how with TikTok and all these other types of platforms out there, people's attention spans are short. So utilizing anything you can to capture attention, get excitement up, um, can really pay off in the long term. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember you can't you can't just send an email or a message and expect that everyone just suddenly sees it, knows it's there, thinks about it all the time. We are getting inundated with with information. So brand yourself. Why not? This is sort of back to the fun part too, is you can name your compete program. You can um, set reminders for to folks, whether it's, you know, through different channels internally, go where your folks are often communicating and say, this is going to be coming out at this day, at this time, keep that succinct so folks know when to expect it. And here's what you can expect. Um, reminder, you know, Intel coming in in 24 hours, those types of things, um, you know, whether we want to believe it or not, we sometimes need to hear something a hundred times before we before we actually think of it and it becomes a habit. And so I think often what I see folks do is believing, well, I, I sent it, I did it. And it's super exciting. And and that could be true, but you have to keep reminding folks. And, and then playing to Honami's point, I would echo that. Play with the types of format. Some people, I know when I receive, um, you know, video i'm i'm often sort of scrolling through whereas when i get text i'm i like to read things um some folks they'll immediately open a video or respond to imagery so um different ways you can slice it that's that's interesting i think um the way you, when you when you're talking about like the different formats too it's you you see it like in, a, in our own clue slack channel like there's a lot of messages going out and to think that you, I think you're, you're after marketing's heart here, Sophie, with the like a hundred, I think it is something. There's like a, there's a stat, someone's made a stat out there somewhere that it's like, it takes X amount of times to like repeat a message for it to sink in. It's why companies have slogans, why they have catchphrases and they, and they repeat that across advertising marketing. So your point around branding compete and in your world, it's, well, no duh, I know this insight or I know this thing about a competitor. But when you're able to think about from another 
like a stakeholder's perspective aren't in that every single day aren't thinking that it's like oh right you do need to repeat this message and can you do it in creative ways can you do it in different formats forms even getting up into meetings and sharing with people i think that's a great point and just repeating the message but being creative with how you repeat that message um it's kind of segues into the not so good side of things you've seen maybe some of the regular or common errors or hiccups you've seen with PMMs and compete leads when they're building their compete programs? I'll double down on the 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 piece on just having to tell folks and remind folks about things many, many times. It's kind of like training a puppy. It's like you get them, here's the here's the treat and like sit, you did it. Yay. And then they're off again because there there's so much going on. So you can almost think of it like that. How are you getting them back into that habit? It's, you know, our minds are all the work we're doing. It's like we're puppies needing to be just bring them back, bring them back. And so I think um, really the, you know, when I see things not going well, it's because we're not, you're not keeping CI top of mind. And more importantly, you're not, it's not just saying, you know, here's this thing uh, around compete and you should know about it. It's why should you care? Why does the business care? And then why should you personally care? How is it going to personally impact the audience um, that is actually using the information? Um, I think that's that's really important. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think what Sophie said is, is spot on. Um, in terms of what what you know apart from reminding folks going back m more to the content and feedback piece um making sure that you're like even if you know we work with a lot of product marketers and ci practitioners who often have a very small team or, or sometimes just one person and we we get it you're you're spread thin you don't have a ton of time how do you make your impact with whatever capacity or resources you have uh, and you don't have to do it alone so for example like a common mistake that we hear with battle cards from sellers is like, hey, this is marketing lingo, which is kind of <laughs> that that um, red flag that gets raised a lot. It's like, well, this is maybe sounds great on uh, a landing page, but how do we actually prove that? How do we tell the story as a seller? And as a product marketer, if you know, you don't, you know, maybe you don't know the answer to that. And that's totally fine. Instead of, you know, brushing it under the rug or feeling like you have to figure it out yourself. Um, try to like incorporate other stakeholders. So ask those top sellers, hey, like, you know, I'm struggling with, you know, understanding how you would deliver this in the field. Tell me, how do you deposition this competitor? How do you speak to this point? Um, or yeah, it could be bringing in your product leaders who know, know the competitor's features inside out, level leverage their expertise. So even if you are, you know, the only person that, um, is creating a battle card or you know, owns compete quote unquote you're never alone so bring in those other stakeholders and, and don't be afraid to to do that something i've just to add on to that something i've seen resonates well when working with customers is to think about it especially when you're you're owning a, a program uh think about it as if you took your top seller and said okay on friday we're doing a lunch and learn with that seller if everyone showed up and there was a slide that said, here's why I won this deal, and the deal said, customer success, 
product and pricing. Folks would be pretty upset they went to that lunch and learn. <laughs> what if instead they showed up and that individual is saying, here's how I won. So I know that our um, our the way our product uh, delivers value here was really, I knew it was really critical for this customer. So I had this conversation and I framed it in this way, or I asked this question to the prospect and that made them, you know, willing to have a conversation. And then we brought in um, X individual to to help to highlight how that's going to support the prospect as an example. Um, and so you get into the how. It's not why are we winning and why are we losing? It's how are you going about it? And that's what I think becomes the unlocks what good content is. We'll be right back after a word from the Compete Network. The way the market looks today is not how it was yesterday. And spoiler alert, it'll be different tomorrow too. Hi, I'm Devin O'Rourke, founder and managing partner at Fluvio and the host of the Embracing Erosion podcast. On my show, we talk to product marketers, founders, investors, and go-to-market leaders to shine a light on what it takes to tackle difficult go-to-market challenges. How do you make decisions with speed and effectiveness? What makes for a great leader? And what are the most common go-to-market mistakes and how can you avoid them? Embracing erosion means embracing change, and you'll hear from some of the best in the business who know firsthand why embracing erosion is key to success. Join me, Devin O'Rourke, on the Embracing Erosion podcast, powered by the Compete Network. All right, back to the show. That's Hanami, I see you nodding, nodding, nodding as Sophie's talking there. Um, feel free to add on to that too. I it reminds me when you say like getting into the how, I think when you mentioned just like pricing packaging, it's like to Hanami's point, not only just like marketing lingo, but just like blanket statements that aren't applicable, like the so what. Um, it does remind me of a conversation to the compete team over at Shopify when Brock was on the podcast, mentioned one of the things he does. Another unique way to sort of bring compete into the organization is he has his internal podcast interviews with sellers when they've won a competitive deal uh, or lost, but typically wins over a specific competitor that he wants to shed some light on. He interviews them and does exactly what you mentioned there, Sobi. I think they branded it to what's the deal with that deal and super, super popular. Again, it's, it's, it's to your point bringing other folks in. It's not just about you as a compete person, knowing everything. It's about knowing who knows the things or has experiences or information that's going to unlock for others at scale. Yeah. when And when I've talked to the win-less experts at Clue, what I hear again and again, which is really fascinating, is it's the, that win-loss information that gets into the the how and um the actual stories so it might even be it might be to your point the video of a seller talking about how they lost or how they won that's the stuff that execs are actually spending hours sitting and listening to and it's talk about trying to get someone to open your emails you have an exec who's super busy spending a few hours digesting that content that's a sign that that is business critical and that's going to get folks attention so um so it's it's really 
important to get into those those details and not just be stating facts. That's a great point. Actually, Ryan Sorley, our VP of Win Loss here at Clue, was even saying to me uh, a, a couple of days ago that there's a few customers whose CEO looks at every single win loss report that comes out. It makes its way to their desk every single time. Um, and I think that is another example of like, mean like what matters to certain stakeholders and also how do you deliver that story? Because I mean, when you're looking at win loss, inherently competition's involved in some way and that's an opportunity to put compete front and center in front of your executive audience. Exactly. Hanami, uh, I want to get to something a little bit more... I think you mentioned, I think Sophie mentioned off the top, sort of this like short-term, long-term goals. And we've talked a little bit about um, uh, like the some of the like softer ways of like building engagement and things like that. But I do think you also need to sort of have some steps in place or some checkpoints to hit, some things to do. I'd love for you to share maybe some of the, the, the steps you'd recommend someone that's listening starting from scratch, what are some of the first things they should be doing to get to this end point we're talking about? This healthy compete program, high adoption rates, a lot of buying. Are there some specific things that a listener could take and run with? Yeah, I mean, every every program's going to be a bit different, but I think some cornerstones is are making sure, A, that you're you're focusing your time and attention in the right places. Are we focusing on the right competitors? Uh, you know, and if you feel like you're spread too thin or you're not having the impact that you need, you should have on revenue, maybe it's time to consider reprioritizing your competitors. And, you know, there's different ways to do that, like looking at CRM data, talking to revenue folks, um, but making sure, again, that those priorities are, are aligned with your organization's needs, I would say, step one. From there, I would understand what's working, what's not at a basic level about what your sellers or whoever your stakeholders are are experiencing. Because again, we can't really apply strategy and tactics until we understand those current pains. What are they missing? Where do they feel like they're uh, lacking competitive support? Or why aren't they coming back to the competitive intel they need? And then from there, we can actually apply best practices of, okay, here's content you know, the, uh, recommendations that we can make. Here's how we might restructure our battle cards, or here's my, how we might um, provide coverage for some of these competitors that we hadn't talked about yet. Uh, and then finally, the, kind of what you mentioned, Adam, on, on the executive buy-in, that, that's definitely key. So making sure that you and your executive team are absolutely aligned on why we are doing this. You know, we're looking to close that competitive revenue gap, making sure that everyone's crystal clear on that and reporting back on the impact of what your program is having. And we talk a lot about impact, um, but it's not a, a one-sided coin. There's, you know, multitude of things that you can do. You know, we at Clue, we run our threat and impact analysis with our customers often, which we can actually do to look at how your revenue metrics are being impacted by Compete. Other things like sales confidence is a great metric. Uh, if you're getting qualitative feedback from sellers, take screenshots of those messages, keep them in a little slide deck bank so that you can refer to them on later on. If you're providing deal support, tracking those deals, whatever you can do to measure and make sure that you're reporting on the impact of the problem you're solving is definitely key to, to executive buy-in. 
we could do i swear we, we could do an episode on every single one of those steps you mentioned there, <laughs> hanami sophie when you're listening to hanami there's there any of those steps you want to double click in or share an example of there there i mean it's quite a quite a wide range here yeah i mean the measuring of success is really interesting and actually in a, a meeting earlier today hanami mentioned this which is when you're looking at measuring your your program and boosting adoption overall, don't hang your hat on one metric. So I've seen customers get too finite in terms of we need to increase win rates. That is critical, without a doubt. Um, but that doesn't tell the whole story of how deal how deal support is um, impacting the the overall business and the direction you're trying to go it doesn't involve the timeline and all the in, individuals involved who's impacting what so um an example would be we recently did um uh an overview of one of our customers programs and uh were able to bring in uh not just the product marketing team that we were working with but by putting together a story on what is your competitive revenue gap how has the program influenced it um both from the lens of of closing the gap but also impacting your different revenue metrics and increasing your company's competitive IQ which is actually proven by sellers you know improving overall but also by the, the to to Honami's points, the the quotes like folks are enjoying this and actually getting engaging with it. That whole story becomes something, and and in this case, the the CRO was wanting to hop on that call and and join and actually understand how do we take this to the next level? What's working? What's not? These are challenging times for for customers, and they're looking for all different reasons and where folks should double down and, and place their bets. Um, and in my experience, when when you're able to tell that story, and especially as someone leading a compete program, tie it to revenue and, and the success of, of the business in the next, you know, six, nine, 12 months, um, you're going to get a lot greater visibility and actually be moving the needle for the business um so i i think yeah those are some key pieces what's interesting there so when you talk about measuring impact i think one like thinking about that as you start thinking out at the end of my what am i measuring as i begin and i like this point is i think hanami's like yeah we we do impact analyses we're, we're measuring competitive revenue gap uh and that's critical right now right for businesses is to find efficiencies increase revenue insert whatever we we understand that but what's interesting there is wrap, ground yourself in that number, but then also bring in all of the different inputs. It's not as simple as X equals Y here. There's a lot of things that go in. And I like like that um, context of like compete IQ, for example, like this competitive IQ that your, your sales force or product team uh, or whoever, how will that increase? And that actually speaks to the first thing you mentioned on me on like step one or two. I, I've got a bad short term memory here about sort of like getting that feedback from revenue teams. Again, one of the things we recommend a lot of the time, and I think one of the things you mentioned with a customer who 
immediately start seeing adoption across the board was conducting this confidence survey amongst revenue teams. Um, could you speak a little bit to like how you use these confidence surveys and um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sales, sales confidence surveys are, are definitely a great way to capture how folks are feeling. Where do they need help? Are those, you know, are we actually addressing the right competitors? But from an adoption standpoint, um, it solves, I think it serves multiple purposes. So one thing that I like to always, you know, recommend that my customers include in those surveys are feedback about the content. Um, you know, what do you think about the current content? What else would be helpful? If you had a magic wand, you know, what would help you win more against these competitors? Um, and one customer that I'm thinking of, you know, they um, they had some turnover in the organization. There were seeing some low adoption rates. You know, we weren't really sure where revenue folks were at. So we ran that survey and got feedback. And then it really helped us to identify key themes of, okay, here's the type of content that folks need where we don't have yet. Oh, we didn't realize that they wanted coverage on these things. And from there, we were able to actually run a um, enablement session that wasn't just like, hey, here's Clue, here's the compete content, but actually closing that feedback look, loop, kind of similar to like what you would do with your, your product and your customers, right? So we said, hey, here's what we heard you say. And here are the action items that we can commit to. And there are some things that we actually couldn't commit to, but at least we could say, and here's why, you know, and give that reasoning so that reps aren't feeling like I'm not being heard and then they don't adopt the content. We're closing that feedback loop. And, you know, that's not, again, like a, a magic hack, but by hearing that feedback and implementing that loop, we were, you know, over the course of six months able to double their um adoption rate within Clue, which was really amazing to see. For people that aren't watching and listening, I'm giving a, a, a small clap to Hanami there, doing doing the Lord's work. Sophie, is there anything else as well when you look at this, especially well, it's to the starting points there that Hanami first mentioned for, again, I'm thinking of the listeners, right, that might be overhauling a program, starting from scratch again like the first one or two checkpoints they should be looking to hit the thing that gets the ball rolling the tra like getting that early traction is there anything maybe you've seen customers do in the past or just that you'd recommend someone that's looking blank slate oh my lord where do i go first yeah they're they're thinking of boiling the ocean and i'm like, don't do it don't do it i think um a lot of it it, it and i know this is maybe sounds over oversimplified but it's just get something out there the biggest thing i see and hear from from customers especially when they're feeling overwhelmed and getting started is but it's not enough or i need these five competitors completely set up with all the best information and i need um a ton of details in included until i actually you know share this with my team and where to start is start with one start with your major major threat who go go look through um maybe it's it's slack or whatever communication channel you you use internally go go check out what name's coming up the most and then look at your data and look at your crm and and um understand where are you losing the most and then double down and and share something to get folks excited it's okay to say more is coming um the other thing I would would do is um, 
is stay stay curious. So don't feel like everything that you focus in on has to be set in stone. And that's the thing. It's okay to share an update and then say something shifted. Here's what we've learned more about. And and be a bit fluid with the, the information. And then um, last but definitely not least in, in here is we touched on the digest if, if you're, you're with Clue. Um, but similarly, any sort of newsletter, just get something out there. Don't underestimate the value of increasing your team's competitive IQ just by sh- sharing updates. Because I we've done tons of surveys with customers and the thing we see again and again when we ask folks, and these are when we ask sellers how they're gathering their how they're learning about competitors. The majority of folks without a, a structured program are doing the research on their own. So think about how much time that is that they could actually be spending on calls, closing deals. And so don't underestimate the power of, of an email or a, a Slack message with those key updates that can spark something for folks, whether they're cold calling or, you know, at the end of a deal and need some some information to share. I love that. The fluidity piece as well. I mean, that just comes part and parcel. Folks are in the field understand that things don't stay the same. Competitors value props, features, things that the customers care about, things externally in the economic climate that deter- like completely shifts people's value, like buyers, what they value most at that point in time. Like it's always changing. So with that, Intel must be changing. And Hanami, I love that example you share about getting feedback from the revenue teams and then imp- not just, oh, we that we asked for your feedback and now we're going to go away and build. It's, we listened to this, we heard X, Y, Z, and now we're going to present. Or here's what we found on the things that we heard you talking about. Because then people are listening, right? Um, actually, yesterday on the C Live, Sil- Sylvia was, was mentioned that thing that like, there's only so many times you can reach out to folks and there's that moment where they're like, oh, I can keep sharing my thoughts, but if they're not going to listen or act on it, then I'm just going to be a point where I just stop replying. And so really acting on what you're hearing, I think is is really valuable. And I loved hearing that example you're, you're shared, Hanan. We've got Ben producer Ben's favorite segment. Are we Are we ready? It's rapid fire time. This is why I wanted to be on the podcast. As as with every episode, disclaimer, I have not seen these questions. They are new to me. They are new to my guests. If any get me in hot water or my guests in hot water, send all your complaints to producer Ben at producerben at clue.com. All right, let's get into it. Honami, first up. What's the most weight you've ever deadlifted? Uh, what's the most weight I've ever deadlifted? Last week, 225. I'm a pretty small gal, so I don't think that's insignificant. (laughs) For those of you who don't know me, I'm about 5'1 on a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my lord. (laughs) Sophie, what's the longest meditation session you've ever had? Glad you didn't ask me the the deadlift <laughs> after I answered five pounds. Longest meditation I've ever done is nine hours. Like nine the whole hours. day. 
a day. Yeah, I did a, a day day meditation. Oh my lord, Hanami, can you give our listeners a book recommendation? Can be personal, can be professional, anything you'd like. Yeah, I'm a big reader. One of the um, best books I read last year was Pachinko. Uh, it's a historical fiction book for anyone who's into that. Um, yeah, looking at three the three generations of a Korean family through, um, yeah, the span of, I think, like over 100 years. Um, yeah, really great book. I think it won the Pulitzer Prize. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but yeah, highly recommend. Sophie? Ooh, I recommend uh, any any book by Pema Chodron. Bang. That's many books, but I like it. Last one for both of you. What is one thing you wish for your clients at Clue? That's such a nice question. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah, I, I, I hope that you know, I think we work with a lot of product marketers and CI practitioners, again, who are often in small teams or team of one, and they've got a lot on their plate. I I hope that they can have some fun with Compete, like we talked about today, and that it's something that they can really leverage to advance their careers. The best kind of news I hear is when, you know, folks that I work with say, hey, like I was recently promoted, and, you know, they were able to show that the results from the program and you know, things like that, that are, are really personal to their career. So yeah, I hope that every customer who works with us has, um, is able to advance their careers in some way, smaller, smaller, large. I, I, I love that. And, um, I, I would say for me, it's that the meeting you have on your calendar with Clue is the one you look most forward to. What? Awesome answers for rapid fire. And I don't think we got in trouble in these. That was incredible. <laughs> Hanami and Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. I'm sure we got a lot of feedback on this. And listeners, we'll catch you all next week. <laughs>